Today, we talk NBA Finals. We talk LeBron's Summer Part 3. We talk the Brewers' hot start in Milwaukee. We talk about the Stanley Cup Finals. And we get to talk about WWE Money in the Bank coming this Sunday. But first, get ready, because we are about to... Welcome to the most must-hear WSUW talk show in history. Welcome to First Round KO. I am your host, Kyle Olson, and now let's knock out some topics. So we start off today talking about the NBA Finals. We all know what happened. We all heard it. We all saw what was going to happen. We all knew what was going to happen. We saw this NBA matchup. We knew it was going to start at the end of the se- at the end of last season. As soon as the Warriors last the one, won the last title, we knew next year it's going to. We knew it was going to be Golden State versus LeBron. We all knew that that was going to happen. And now, and then this summer, you know, through the playoffs and through the regular season, everything, everyone, everyone was a little worried. You know, maybe we wouldn't see LeBron. Maybe we wouldn't see Golden State. And everyone was actually very excited for that. But of course. We got the finals that no one wanted. We got the fourth matchup between Golden State and Cleveland. And you know what? <clears throat> I'll, I'll admit, I, I picked Golden State to win, but I, I picked them to win in six games because I had too much faith in the one LeBron James. I, I had too much faith in him. I thought he could carry the team, and, uh, you know, apparently, uh, apparently he couldn't. Apparently he could not carry this Cleveland team over to win a game over Golden State. and But, you know, in hindsight, looking at this matchup, Golden State should have won. They should have swept this series, and they did. They they absolutely should have. They have four – they have three possible future Hall of Famers, two for sure. I think Clay Thompson's going to get there, um, two for sure, and Steph and Kevin Durant. And then Draymond Green, who's an all-star. He's a fantastic player. As much as everyone hates him, he's fantastic. He's great defensively. His shot may look like he's shooting with a backpack on his back, but he he still makes it. You know he he's a consistent player. They they have and then they have depth. They have this Sean Livingston guy coming off the bench. He he can start for any other team in the league. They have they have such depth at each position. They have shooters. Their offense is just crazy. They have a great head coach who I don't give enough credit to. I don't think he's as good as everyone says he is, but he's still he's good enough. He's he's able to rally this team to obviously win three championships in four years this looking back this golden state team they should have swept with two mvps and with two other great players there's no way lebron is able to carry that team by himself he needed more help and he didn't have that help obviously so golden state swept as they should have but we need to go back because i I've been saying this. I said it last year. I said it the year before, and, I'll, and I said it multiple times this year. Golden State seems to be the luckiest NBA team in history because if you look back, they were about to well, first time against the Cavaliers, uh, two thousand. I don't even know what it was. Two thousand something, fifteen, I think it was. They first game, they didn't have the. Cavaliers didn't have Kevin Love because he got hurt in the Boston series. So already, Cavaliers are down a man. And then in the first game, I believe it was overtime or in the fourth quarter, late in the game, Kyrie Irving goes down for the Celt- or for the Cavaliers. So there again, it was all just, it was LeBron against the, the, War- the Warriors without Kevin Durant, but they still had three great players in Steph, Clay, and Draymond Green. So LeBron... Uh, once again had to carry that team and he just couldn't they lost in five Warriors won that series the next year I yes the next year after that the Warriors saw no two years later my bad 
because then after <laughs> because that next year was when the Warriors were up three one and then lost to the Cavaliers. But that's that's neither here nor there. The year after that, so last year, before or during the last year's NBA playoffs, the Warriors faced the San Antonio Spurs. And during the first game of that series, the Spurs were up some ridiculous number, like I think it was twenty five or something like that. They were up twenty five. And then Zaza Pachulia, you know, sticks sticks his foot right under Kawhi Leonard's leg and injures Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard has still, to this day, not played a basketball game from that injury. Warriors went on to win that series and go to the finals. I think with Kawhi Leonard, the Spurs have a very good chance at taking out the Warriors that year, and the Warriors don't make it to a third straight uh, championship. And then you get to this year. There are so many instances that you can look back at this year's playoff run for the Warriors that just shows how lucky they get during the playoffs. First of all, you play – well, there was a couple injuries the first couple of rounds, but they would have beat those teams either way. I think it was like the Jazz and – yeah, no, they would have beat those teams. We're not talking about that. We're talking Western Conference Finals, Warriors-Rockets. The, the Rockets had this series. They, had, they were up 3-2. They had two chances to put them away. But, of course, in that game five, late in the game, my opinion, the Rockets' best player – goes out with a hamstring injury, and he's out for those two games. The Warriors are able to then take advantage of Chris Paul's injury and win that series to go to their fourth straight NBA Finals. So right there, I could just leave it at that and say, luckiest team. But then, of course, we get to the actual Finals, and in some ungodly way, LeBron James almost beat the Warriors by himself. He almost did. If it weren't for three specific plays in the fourth quarter. It all started with the on the defensive end for the Cavaliers. Kevin Durant drove in, and LeBron drew a charge on Kevin Durant. Well, the refs went to the monitors to look at it to see what would happen. You know, if he was outside the circle, quote-unquote, he was clearly outside the circle that I still don't believe that's the reason they went to the monitors but that's what they said so that's what we'll go with they went to the monitors to check if he was outside of the restricted area he clearly was but now there's this new rule that oh if there's video evidence that it's a block two minute i think it's the last two minutes of the game while you're looking at if he's outside of the restricted area you are able to determine if it was a charge or a block and you are able to change the call they changed the charge into a block Kevin Durant got two free throws and tied up the game. Now, if LeBron gets that charge call with 35 seconds left in the game, up two. The Cavaliers have the ball. LeBron gets to dribble out 24 of those 35 seconds. He probably gets at least free throws and makes one or two of them. So three, four-point game. And then the Warriors have to play catch-up. I think that's game over. I think if, if LeBron gets that charge call... Cavaliers take game one. It's a completely different series. Completely different. The Cavaliers gain so much confidence and so much momentum. It's ridiculous. But they didn't. Kevin Durant tied up the game. And then on the what seemed like one of the last plays of the game, LeBron passed to a cutting George Hill, and George Hill got fouled. So George Hill went to the free throw line, which I th- I thought was a great play. LeBron saw that he was about to get hit. He was a, he was either about to get hit or he was going to be wide open for a layup. So it was a great play by LeBron James to give up the ball. I, I know he shouldn't give up the ball in the clutch. It's whatever. It was a great play. George Hill met, made his first free throw to, I think they were down. Yes, they were down one at this point. Made the first free throw to tie up the game. Second free throw missed. So that right there, the, George Hill's an 80, 80% free throw shooter during the season this year. He should have made that. Like 100%, that is on him. He needed to make that. That puts the Cavaliers up one. You know, maybe the Warriors get a last second shot. The 
who knows? We saw earlier in the playoffs the Warriors aren't weren't too good for some reason on last second shots. So that's number two in the, in that game. And of course, on that free throw, we all know what happens after this free throw. George Hill misses the free throw, and who gets the rebound? Mr. J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith <laughs> grabs the rebound inside the paint where he's probably, you know, he's got a little four-footer that he could have just laid up there with a couple seconds left to win the game. But no, J.R. Smith dribbles the ball out like like they're up, and then, and then as he sees LeBron screaming in his face, passes the ball to George Hill, and George Hill gets blocked. No matter what J.R. Smith says, no matter what anyone else says, you can see clearly after he passed the ball and after time was up, you can see that he said, I thought we were up. I thought we had it. I thought we were ahead. He, he 100% thought that. That's JR's fault. And no, <laughs> JR has done this in the past. So, you know, you, you kind of, it's ex- not expected, but it, it's not completely shocking that he did this. But again, the Warriors are lucky because if he doesn't do that and he gets a layup, even an, even if Kevin Durant is there to block it, he probably draws a foul. J.R. Smith should have shot that ball, which is crazy because J.R. Smith shoots way too much as it is. And to think that he didn't shoot a ball is just crazy. The Warriors are the luckiest team with injuries that just change series completely. The, the Kawhi Leonard injury changed that series. The Chris Paul injury changed that entire series going back to their first final the kevin love injury in boston and then the kyrie irving injury in game one completely changed that series lebron had to carry it and then and then this year lebron had a not 100 percent kevin love playing in game one who hadn't played in a in a while from injury and and then he had yeah and then they had all this stuff in game one and then after game one, you could just see it in overtime. Not even game two, you can see it in overtime of that game. The Cavaliers were defeated. They were done. They knew that that was their chance to steal one in Golden State, and they lost it. There was no, there's nothing, there's nothing they can do from that. They, you could just see it on their face that they were defeated. Um, and that brings me to my next point. Cleveland's. Cleveland's team was n- not good this year. <laughs> the team, if you take LeBron James off that team, they might still make the playoffs, but that's because they're in the East. The East is very weak right now. So, you know, maybe they make it. I don't think so. Kevin Love maybe carries that team. So, this comes down to the the third time now in LeBron's career where he is able and most likely will leave the team that he is currently on. I I like to call it LeBron Summer Part 3. This time it's personal. <laughs> um, yeah, so it it's interesting because you get to look at all these different options where LeBron could go for the summer or for this summer. There's a bunch of different teams. There's a lot of different options, a lot of different reasons that he should go to all of these teams. So I'm going to talk about a few that I think that make, that make the most sense. Um, so the, obviously the first one is to stay in Cleveland. He can opt he can just stay in his current contract for another year or he can opt out resign for more money which he has done in the past or he can just straight up opt out and go to a different team but so the first option is for him to stay in cleveland whether it's resigning opting in whatever he he has said it over and over he loves this town this town is his he grew up in akron he grew up down the road and he he is willing to, you know, give maybe not a hometown discount, but at least be a little lenient towards that team because he's from there. Plus, he's shown in the past couple of years that he's kind of able to run that team, you know, from a different from different positions higher up. He's able to kind of influence decisions on the roster and probably the rotation and plays during the game. He's he's able to run that team, so he knows that that's a peace of mind for him, knowing that he's that he has a decent amount of control. So that's that's a big plus side for the Cleveland Cavaliers knowing that, you know, if if we let him, you know, if we keep letting him do what he wants to do, maybe he'll stay. And 
The other thing is he can recruit someone else from free agency, you know, maybe like a I, – I keep thinking like Paul George or, you know, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, someone like that, or maybe even a trade for like Damian Lillard. I, But the only problem with that is – Cleveland's cap, they don't have a lot of cap space because a lot of their players right or a lot of their role players right now have ridiculous contracts that they you know GR Smith getting paid way too much obviously not enough to shoot the ball and know the score but he's getting paid way too much um George Hill getting paid a ridiculous amount for a backup point guard yeah, he started it's what it, he he's getting paid too much Kevin Love obviously he's getting paid way too much it the Cavaliers have too many contracts that are very hard to get rid of and that are very high paying. So for them to go out and get a Paul George is going to be very difficult because I don't think they have enough room for a max contract for LeBron and anywhere near enough to get Paul George or DeMarcus Cousins. So that's the only way I see LeBron's thing in Cleveland. Minus those other two things, if – the only way I say, see him staying in Cleveland is if they can trade for someone or if they can recruit a free agent to come there. If he can get someone else to come play with him, someone else high caliber who can help that team, maybe. But even then, I still don't think they can beat the Warriors. The next option that makes the most sense to me is Houston. And I say this because LeBron... LeBron plus James Harden, who is a scorer. He doesn't play a lot of defense, but LeBron can play defense. LeBron can step back from his offense, you know, a little bit. Obviously, he's going to need to. He would step back from that, and he would focus more of his energy on defense. Him and Clint Capella on defense, forget about it. That's crazy. And LeBron has never played with a, you know, like a true center, like a a full center who can play offense and defense, who can pick and roll. All this kind of stuff. He's played with Anderson Verajao. He's played with Joel Anthony in Miami. And now he had Kevin Love and Tristan. Uh, Tristan Thompson, I'll give credit. He's decent. LeBron made him look a lot better than he is. But now you have, if you add in this Clint Capella with Chris Paul, who's going to be able to ball handle, and you have Chris Paul and James Harden who are able to take possessions away from LeBron. And yes, that's a good thing because this will be LeBron's 16th season in the league. So he's going to not be able to put in this maximum effort that we saw this season. He's not going to be able to do that, but he won't have to in Houston. He'll be able to focus more on defense. He'll be able to focus more on, you know, the actual IQ part of basketball being, you know, helping coaching, helping Mike D'Antoni. He'll and but he'll also bring a physicality and a leadership to that team that they were kind of lacking, as you could see, especially in the Golden State Series when CP3 went out. The only problem with Houston is that now CP3 is asking, Chris Paul is asking for a max contract, and that's the only way he's staying. So that's a problem. If he, if they give it to him, which I think they are, they're, they're pretty set on keeping him, then it comes down to does LeBron want to take less money because I, he would not get an, he wouldn't be able to get another max contract. The Houston wouldn't be able to give out two, because they already have James Harden for a lot. So LeBron would have to be taking a discount. Also, Clint Capella is a free agent. He's probably going to be getting paid too. I don't think, unless LeBron was able to or is willing to take a big pay cut to go play with this team, I don't think it's going to happen because Capella is going to get paid. We know Chris Paul is going to get paid. Do they have enough money to go get LeBron? And if they do, they are winning the champion. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that they would beat Golden State probably in f- four or five games easily, and then they would go on and crush anyone in the East. They Houston would win the championship if, if LeBron goes there, but I don't think he is. There's not enough money. Third option for me are the L.A. Lakers. Now this, the only way I see this happening, because it's a very young roster, but it has a lot of promise. Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, they're very, they're obviously, they're both rookies this year. They'll be going into their second year. They're both very good players. Kyle Kuzma's a great scorer. Lonzo's a great point guard, especially defensively. So LeBron, 
if it was just LeBron going to L.A., it would be very similar to this Cleveland team where he would have to do the majority of the work. He would have he would have to carry this team. Not, I, it's hard to say compared to this Cleveland team how much he would carry. I think this Laker team, take LeBron off from both teams, I think the Lakers are better than the Cavaliers. So putting he's already in a better position there. They're younger. Contracts are better. Plus, L.A. has enough contract space, enough cap, enough cap space to go get two max contracts. Two max contracts. So what I still think, you know, I, I think this is hypothetically, you know, assuming Houston doesn't have enough money, this is most likely the best realistic possibility for the Lakers or for LeBron to go to the Lakers because if he can convince either Paul George or DeMarcus Cousins, who is a free agent now, if he can convince one of them to come to L.A. with him and join this young, talented roster, they would be able to compete very much with anyone else in the in the West. The only thing is they would have to potentially play both Houston and Golden State in the playoffs. And then they would have to play whoever comes out of the East. It's very it's very hard to look at that specifically and say, yeah, obviously go to the Lakers because he's gonna have to play the best two teams in the league, probably both in the playoffs. And you know, that might be a deal breaker, but if he can convince Paul George or DeMarcus Cousins, someone like that, if he can convince someone like that to come to L.A. with him and play for the Lakers, try to build a new dynasty, I think it's a very good possibility because it's also great for his brand to go to, a, you know, a bigger city. Obviously, L.A. is going to be much better for marketing than Cleveland is. <laughs> it's obviously going to be much better for his brand. So it, it, the Lakers make a lot of sense minus the scheduling. That's fine. The next one, the next team that I think could also be a great fit for him is the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, yes, they have Ben Simmons, who is basically LeBron without a jump shot. But that's the great thing. Like I said earlier, LeBron is going into his 16th NBA season. Most great players were out after... 14, 15 seasons. There's, we've never seen anything like this. Like LeBron's probably going to be going for, a, you know, at least in his prime for another five years. But he can't keep up this consistent level of putting in all of the work all season for all 82 games and then every playoff game throughout the finals. There's no, he can't do that. So going to this Philadelphia team who has a lot of young talent, much like the Lakers, more young talent than the Lakers for sure. If they can stay healthy, Ben Simmons can take a lot of the load off LeBron. Joel Embiid can carry the offensive side of that. He does, you know, Ben Simmons doesn't have to be the offense. And then they have they have a lot of role players too. They have JJ Redick. They have Robert Covington. They have Sarek. The I don't know his first name. Sarek. He, all great players, role players who can come in and play great offensively and defensively. They're they're very well rounded on both sides of the ball. So if if Philly is able to, you know, stay out of the controversy, we got the Colangelo stuff going on, but they got rid of him. So I think that's gonna be in the back in the rearview window by the time free agency starts, especially with LeBron. If Philly can stay healthy, get a good coach, all that all that stuff, I think they Philadelphia and Houston are the two teams that LeBron could go to and beat Golden State. Lakers, he would need another piece. You know, he would need another Paul George or something. But if he went to Philly or Houston, I think those teams could beat Golden State for sure. I just think they're that talented. Now, here's a team. This is my last team for LeBron for my suggestions and my my thoughts. Here's a team that no one's talking about. And yes, I might be a little biased towards this team, but... If you look at these hard facts, they're not a terrible option. 
And in my notes here, I have uh, seven question marks next to it because it's probably not going to happen. But I think LeBron should give it a look. The Milwaukee Bucks just built a new stadium. Beautiful stadium, more seats. They just hired a fantastic coach who carried an Atlanta Hawks team to the first uh, to the first uh, position in the playoffs in the East, who they then got swept by LeBron. But that's beside the point. Mike Budenholzer is going to be a great coach. He's very well-rounded defensively as a coach, so he's going to be able to bring a defensive consistency to the Bucs that they have not had for a long time. And the Bucs have a very young and talented roster with a star in the making in Giannis Antetokounmpo. If LeBron wanted to, and the Bucs had enough roster space, or cap space, LeBron could come to Milwaukee, and they have enough talent on both sides of the ball and with this new coach. They have enough talent and length and physicality that they would be a perfect fit for LeBron James. And in his 16th season, he would not have to carry the load because we have Giannis on the team who is more than capable uh, you know, taking over and carrying this team. We also have Chris Middleton, great offensive player, who's, you know, and Thon Maker. He's coming into his own. He's going to be a great offensive player now. Uh, I don't know what's happening with Jabari. We'd probably have to get rid of him to, to afford LeBron. Well, that's fine. I think LeBron should cons- seriously consider the Milwaukee Bucks. I really do. And, you know, that's not even me as a Milwaukee fan. That's me as a LeBron fan saying it's, it's a great fit. They're a long, young, athletic team with a star in the making who is able to take some of the load off LeBron. This new coach, Mike Budenholzer, is fantastic. He carried a team, you know, Jeff Teagan, Al Horford, and Kyle Korver to the one seed in the East. And they have a brand new stadium, which is, you know, it's going to be great for revenue. It's going to be great for ticket sales. I'm just saying, LeBron, you just take a look. Come, come to Milwaukee, have some cheese. We'll have a couple, you know, we make beer in Milwaukee. Just think about it. I think it's I think it's a good start. Speaking of Milwaukee, we have a pretty uh, we have a pretty good baseball team sitting in Milwaukee right now. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, they, and it seems like they do this every year, which scares me. But they're, they're off to a great start. The, the Milwaukee Brewers, they're at thirty nine wins right now. They they have the best record in in the National League, which is. It, it's it's crazy because the the National League you know they have they have the Nationals they have the Braves who are coming up with a very good young team they have a lot there's a lot of teams in the National League who you know the Cubs in our division who everyone thought was going to be a lot better than they are right now but Milwaukee Milwaukee's the best team right now and it's all because of a few things I you know looking looking at everything for Milwaukee. The first thing that I noticed, the first thing that I noticed when I was looking at this, the production out of first base for Milwaukee is insane. First, we started off the season with Ryan Braun and Eric Thames, at the you know both playing first base, and obviously Ryan Braun, I don't know, he's not hitting as consistently as he as he has. He's only batting a two forty nine, but this dude, I with two outs. And runners on scoring in scoring position, so second or third, with two outs and runners on. Ryan Braun is batting some ridiculous like 700, 750 something. He's this dude is so clutch this season. Like it, especially ninth inning, he's had a couple. He had a walk off. I think he's had two. He's had a walk off and a tie. Tie. I don't know. He's had two ninth inning home runs with two outs. This dude has been so clutch this year. And then we look at Eric Thames. His production is about the same in more home run. Oh, no. Okay, well, less games, more home, same amount of home runs. He's batting a 250 with seven home runs. Eric Thames was doing very good for us. He's a power guy. He's very good defensively. But like I said, just this production out of our first base has been insane. Eric Thames gets hurt. Everyone's like, well, oh, no. 
we still have Braun. It's fine. But what happens? What happens when Braun isn't playing? Well, we have this Jesus Aguilar guy that we picked up. He was kind of consistent for us last year. Jesus Aguilar right now is batting a 290 with 11 home runs and 37 RBI. 37, that's two behind Travis Shaw who leads the team. Jesus Aguilar has stepped up in a way that I don't think anyone saw coming. He was the third first baseman on the depth chart, on the roster. And this dude has been the focal point for our offense right now. Like, he's hitting so consistently. He And, and these he's played less games than everyone else. He's played... Yeah, well, he's played 57, so he's right there with them. But it, it's still, he's he's right there in home runs with everyone. He's behind Shaw, but with three. He's behind Shaw with RBIs. We have to start looking at this Jesus. You know, I, Shaw's coming back. Or Shaw. Eric Thames is coming back today. Eric Thames is going to be activated back onto the roster today. And we have to con- we have to seriously consider who's going to play first base. Because in my opinion, I don't think Eric Thames has a job right now. I think Jesus Aguilar needs to stay at first base. And, you know, he can be the backup. That's fine. Ryan Braun can stay in the outfield. But he, we, we seriously need to consider keeping Jesus Aguilar at first base in the lineup for the majority of the time. Because he is proving right now to be a more consistent hitter while also having the power of Eric Thames. As much as I like Eric Thames, it's something Craig Council needs to look at. The other reason the Brewers are so in you know so so good right now is the consistency with their three stars. Kane Yelich and Shaw. Christian Yelich, Travis Shaw, Lorenzo Kane. They have all, you know, there's always in every game one of them is on. One of them is able to carry the team, and they're all in the top of the lineup. You know, Kane leads off, Yelich is two, and then Shaw is four, usually. And I think it's great because one of them is always there, and then they're usually there to pick each other up. They're usually, you know, if Kane, dra- Kane will draw a walk, his OP, his on-base percentage is crazy. Lorenzo Kane's on-base percentage is three, 384 right now, and he's got a 284 average. That's that's insane. He's getting on base a lot. He's drawing a lot of walks. He's just getting base hits. He's getting on a lot. And that is a big key because then we have Yelich who's batting a 310 with a 379 on base percentage. So this dude, once Kane gets on, you know, 38% of the time, Kane is able to hit him in later or at least advance him that fur- that farther for Aguilar and Shaw. And then Shaw comes in, Shaw's batting, he's only batting a 248, but somehow, like Braun, he's Super clutch right now. He's got th- he's 39 RBIs leading the team and 14 home runs also leading the team. The dude steps up in big situations. He steps up. He sees someone on base and he says, you know what? Okay, we, like we need a base hit right now. We need to get this guy in. The, the consistency from those three players has been the focal point for this team, has been the key to this team's success so far. I'd Actually, the second key because – the next, my next uh, point is probably more important for sure. But Lorenzo Cain, uh, Christian Yelich, Travis Shaw, if they can stay consistent, which I, I, they will. They're just they're veteran players at this point. Lorenzo is for sure. Cain's a little younger, but he's he's shown that he can have veteran tendencies. And Shaw has obviously stepped up in these past two seasons. And the reason, the reason that the Brewers fall fall off late in this late in the seasons every year is because it, it's the All Star break. The All Star break kills us every year, and everyone knows it. After the All Star break, the Brewers have no one in the All Star game. Last year we had Knievel; he didn't even play. No, we never have anyone in the All Star game, so no one. We all they all get that week off, and then we just they get rusty i don't know what happens they all lose focus they all lose every they, no one stays in the baseball mindset for the pat, for the second half of the season so what i think is going to happen and why i'm so optimistic for this season 
is because I think someone on our roster, whether it's Kane, Yelich, Shaw, or Aguilar, Braun, someone, I think, or, you know, Hater, someone's going to get in the All-Star game. Multiple people will get in the All-Star game this year, and they will play. Even if they don't do good in the All-Star game, just playing and keeping that energy and being in that environment, they'll be able to keep that energy from the first half of the season, keep it in the All-Star in the All-Star break, and then they'll be able to carry it into the second half of the season and help the rest of the team get back in the swing of things after the after the week-long break. Excuse me. These these couple guys if they get into the into the game, they keep the energy and then they are able to keep keep the rest of the team on their toes. They're able to get them going. They're able to carry not carry them but like, you know, help them stay consistent through the second half of the season. That's why I'm so optimistic for the rest of this year because I I really do think we won't get that we won't get that all-star break rust that we always do. So, I so you know, Brewers fans out there, go! I think the I think the voting's already started. I know early voting has started. Go out there. We need to work our butts off to get someone, you know, Kane, Yelich, and Shaw, multiple people, per, you know, preferably into the All Star game. Go vote right now. Go go online. Vote for Kane, Yelich, and Shaw. Get them in the All Star game so that we can have someone who stays consistent and is able to help carry the team through our you know our little rust spot we need we need people in there so besides besides those three those three are very important to the team but the most important part of the milwaukee brewers hot start has been the bullpen the milwaukee brewers bullpen is statistically the best bullpen in all of baseball the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, sorry, I'm trying to pull up the stats right now. The Milwaukee Brewers bullpen is just ridiculous right now, the, especially Josh Hader. Josh Hader is just doing everything. Josh Hader, he he's leading, or he's up there in strikeouts. Like the, the stats for strikeouts, he's up there with actual starters, and he's not pitching as many innings as the starters are. Josh Hader has a legitimate chance if he can keep this up, even if he can keep up 75% of what he's doing right now, Josh Hader has a legitimate chance to win the Cy Young out of the bullpen this year. He is that good. He has been that dominant when he comes into these games. And then you come and you look at these other Brewers bullpen guys. They're guys we've had for a very long time. But Dan Jennings, we just picked up. That's fine. But I mean, Brandon Woodruff, He's been in our system forever. We got where is that? Oh, Jeremy Jeffress. We've had him. He left. He came back. He's still finding his groove. He's great. Oliver Drake's been in our system. Kniebel, he's been with us for the, these guys are just stepping up. They really are. I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe Josh Hader lit a fire under them. Something. But these guys are just coming out of nowhere, and they're. They're finishing out these games. They're, the Brewers' offense are able to get these early leads, and then we have these these guys come out of the bullpen and just and and win the game. They they just finish the game. And, you know, we get Woodruff to pitch a couple innings, and then Hater pitches two innings out of the bullpen. Which I that's the other thing about Hater. He's able to pitch multiple innings, which most good relievers they're in there for an inning. Aroldis Chapman, Andrew Miller, all those big guys. They're in there for an inning dominating. Josh Hader can dominate for two, almost three innings sometimes. The dude is incredible. And then, yeah, and then you have Knievel coming in to shut the door if Hader doesn't. <laughs> it, it's just crazy. The, the bullpen has been so consistent and so dominant late in games. And that, that's the real reason. Because Milwaukee last year, we had a good offense. We had a really good offense, but it was our pitching that wasn't keeping us in games. We we were getting run support, but they were letting off too many. They were letting off more runs than we were getting, and that was our problem last year. This year, we still have that good offense. We have a better offense with Kane and Yelich now, and Aguilar playing out of his mind. 
and now we have the best bullpen in baseball. If this bullpen, like Hater, if they can keep, you know, seventy-five uh, percent of even what they're doing, we're going to be able to not coast, but we're going to be able to compete come September. We're going to be able, we'll be there. We'll be competing with Chicago. Chicago will get hotter. They already have. They're half a game behind us right now. But we'll be able to compete for sure, and I, I think we'll be able to beat them out. If we can take a couple series from them, we'll be able to beat Chicago out. We'll be able to take that. They'll have to win the wild card. But we we can win this NL Central. The Brewers have the offense. They have the bullpen. We get Jimmy Nelson back soon, and I believe we're going to make some trades in the or some trades before the trade deadline. I think the Brewers have a legitimate chance to not only make the playoffs but make some serious noise in the playoffs because bullpens, bullpens are huge come October. But that's that's a long ways away. I, I'm being very optimistic, which as a Brewers fan usually doesn't turn out too good. But like I said, if we can get a couple people in the All Star game, if Aguilar can. Keep keep this up, which he seems to be very consistent. I think he will keep this up, and if Thames can come back and be his dominant self when he plays, this team this team will be okay. We'll have a Cy Young pitcher and Hater, and we'll have those those consistent guys in the lineup. We'll be all right after All Star break. I I'm I'm pretty optimistic about that. Now on to man, I picked a really <laughs> I scheduled my first show. I scheduled my first show for June 11th, and I'm thinking. I was like, okay, cool. I, you know, I'd be able to catch, be able to catch game six and seven of the finals. I'll be able to catch it towards the end of the NBA finals. I'll be able to catch the last couple games of the NHL final. And then these teams, the <laughs> the Capitals and the Warriors, just have to go and win in four and five games. I like they they finished a couple days. Like they each finished almost a week ago, and I'm I'm just sitting here like, and now I'm you know after today after I talk about that, I'm not going to have much to talk about. Come on, guys. Give me longer series. So, the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. Vegas, the Las Vegas Golden Knights was such a good story coming. In. They were. It was the first year that they were even a team. They they did not exist last year, and now they were a team and they made it all the way to the to the finals. They were the one seed. They made it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. That would have been such a better story for hockey. If this team that literally appeared out of nowhere came in, got all these young, hungry players, and just won the cup, that would have been incredible. That would have that would have made it so other other cities would want hockey teams. That the expansion the expansion want would go up in other teams. They would or in other cities. They would they would start to look at it and be like, okay, well, hey, they just had a lot of success. It probably helped their economy a lot. Let's go get a hockey team. Let's, you know, now they're lopsided. Let's go, let's go create a team. Let's go make one. And having all these young guys without really a star, they had Flurry, who is amazing as a goalie, but they didn't have really anyone as a star on their team. Vegas going in and beating Alex Ovechkin and the Capitals would have been a great story. Winning that and just having one of the best seasons, certainly the best first season a franchise in any sport has ever had, but just a a great season in hockey in general. It would have been such a good story for NHL. It made me interested. I don't watch hockey. I I follow the Penguins because they're my team. I, I don't watch many games. If they're on and nothing else is, I'll watch it. I'll have it on in the background. And I watch highlights. I... I've never really been a big hockey guy. But this Golden Knight situation, as much as I didn't even like them, it made me very interested in the season. It made me very, as a sports fan, it just made me excited to see this this young team and very interested to see what they did and see what they do. And now, I think in a couple years, we're going to look back at this season and be like, oh yeah, they were pretty good, but they didn't win. Golden, or yeah, the Golden Knights. They, yeah, I guess they were pretty good, but they didn't. They didn't win the cup. It, it would have been a better story for hockey and for sports if Golden State, or I keep saying Golden State, the Golden Knights, Las Vegas. If Las Vegas would have won this cup, because then in a couple years, in five, ten years, fifteen years, 
when people are looking back at this, we say, oh, man, remember when Las Vegas, remember their first season when they were the best team in hockey and then they won the Stanley Cup in their first season as a franchise? But now, but now everyone looks back at it, yeah, but they didn't win. It would have been a better story. However, this is this stuff with Alex Ovechkin <laughs> is a pretty good backup story for the Stanley Cup. Because let me just read some of this timeline of Alex Ovechkin and his Stanley Cup adventure. So, you know, 8:20 p.m. on June 7th. That's when that was the, that was after the game. That's when Ovi first got the cup. That's when they won. They presented it to him, and he got the cup. He's skating around with it in the ring. And then he brings it into the back with the champagne, and he parties with it. And then, later that night, he still has it on a bus. He has it on a bus. He just he has it on the team bus. They didn't put it, you know, in, in the storage compartments on the bus or in, a, in its own seat. No. Ovi has the trophy in his lap on the bench, in the bus. It's crazy. And then he's bench pressing the cup at the MGM Grand Motel later that night. Or, you know, yeah, later that night in the morning, 1245 in the morning. And then we get even later, <laughs> he goes out to a club and he's he's got it there. He's up by the DJ holding up the trophy just with it. I don't think I don't think he's let go of the trophy because and, and now there's pictures of him. <laughs> pouring champagne into the trophy he's drinking out of it and now he's got it on the plane ride this dude did not let go there's a picture of him napping 10 40 in in the morning because he stayed out all night he's napping (laughs) with the trophy on the plane he's just laying cuddling with the stanley cup trophy this dude is so happy to win like it i don't like the capitals i don't like alex ovechkin i'm just as a sports fan, I don't know why I was very I was told to hate them. So I did. I don't know why. But I can't help but feel happy for this dude. He's so happy with this trophy. It's it's it helps the fact that the Golden State or jeez, that the Golden Knights didn't win. It helps a lot because this has been crazy. His adventure with the trophy, he took it to the Nationals game on June 9th. He, I think he threw out the first pitch. And then for a full inning, he's standing in the crowd. He's in like the third row, but he's just standing there holding the trophy. And they wouldn't show it on the big on the big screen of the Nationals game because there was pitches going on. And then, you know, in between pitches and after in between batters, they would show him up on the screen. <laughs> and everyone would just go crazy because he's just standing there holding it and screaming because he's so excited that they won. He still has it. He does a keg stand out of this thing. He literally slept with it. It was laying with him in his bed. This dude has been so, Alex Ovechkin is so happy. You can't help but feel happy for him. It's just a, it's a feel good story. So in now in hindsight, you know, I said it Vegas, I stand by that goal. The Vegas golden Knights would have been a better story for hockey, but this Alex Ovechkin stuff, not a bad, not a bad backup story. For the NHL, it, I think both stories do well for the for the hockey for hockey. So now, real quick, you know, eleven minutes left of the show. We got real quick. We're gonna talk WWE. There's not much to talk about because I mean, Money in the Bank's coming up this week, but the go home shows are tonight and tomorrow night for SmackDown and Raw. So there's not too much to talk about. There is the card is interesting, but I'm gonna go. We're gonna talk about that later in the show. I think Friday. Yeah, Friday I'm going to have uh, my buddy Tom on. He's going to be here. We're going to be talking WWE because Money in the Bank is this weekend, and it's a big one. And, yes, I'm sorry. I'm I'm weird. I'm a nerd. I watch WWE. I don't um, – I take that back. I don't apologize. I love it. It's fun. It's whatever. So there's a couple interesting matches that I do want to talk about. First of all, Ronda Rousey. Yes, Ronda Rousey is in the WWE, and she is getting a championship match this weekend. It's way too soon because it is her second match in WWE. It's no, she hasn't earned it. I, I'm a huge Ronda fan, and everyone knows this. I'm a huge Ronda fan. I want her to be a champion someday, but someday, not now. This is way too early. She's barely been on TV. If they would have had after WrestleMania, if she would have been on TV more, 
or even had a couple matches in between and then had like a number one contendership match, this would have been perfect. This would have been great. But they just kind of handed it. They're just like, oh, hey, here's your championship match. It's it's bad. It's very bad. I'm interested to see what they do in the story, but it's bad. The best match, obviously, is going to be the Money in the Bank ladder match. Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Miz, Rusev, Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, and one of the members of the New Day. Pretty sure it's going to be Biggie Langston. Biggie, sorry. He's not Langston. Anymore. That's going to be a great match. The, everyone in there, super talented. There's going to be a lot of good spots. Braun Strowman's going to be entertaining. Obviously, he's going to be amazing. Finn Balor's going to jump off some stuff. Rusev's going to kick some people. Joe's going to be destructive. It's going to be fantastic. Who wins? We'll get into that on Friday. The other match that is actually interesting, because <laughs> I'm looking at this card and I'm really not that excited for, I'm only excited for a couple, like three, four matches at the most. AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. This is this will be their fourth championship match. Sent, uh, WrestleMania, Greatest Royal Rumble, Backlash, and now Money in the Bank. If Shinsuke Nakamura doesn't win, it will be completely devastating to his character. It will be it it will just be bad. Like he he has turned into this cocky heel, but if he doesn't win the championship, then it was all for nothing. And then where do you go with his character from that? Like you can't have a dude decide to turn to decide to be a bad guy because he's not winning as a good guy and then not win as a bad guy. It's terrible storytelling. And yet, which doesn't surprise me because WWE has been terrible at storytelling this year. It, it's just, it's, that's why that match is so interesting to me because while they, there are rumors that they want AJ to go into a feud with Samoa Joe over the title, I don't think that you can have Shinsuke Nakamura lose and come out of this match still credible. I, I think it kills his character which is a shame because this this new heel character of his is fantastic and I you know it it's going to kill him. So yeah. I don't know, money in the bank this weekend, it'll be interesting. Like I said, I I'm going to talk about it. We're going to have a, probably most of the show on Friday we'll be talking about it me and Tom. Um yeah. So, that's enough of WWE. Um real quick, I do want to talk about the Green Bay Packers, because uh, obviously I'm going to need stuff to talk about all summer, three shows a week, and only baseball is going on. But we'll have a lot of free agency stuff. We'll have a lot of preseason coming up in August, that kind of stuff. So I'll be able to – I'm going to talk about the Packers a lot coming this summer, you know, speculative stuff, what happened in training camp, all that kind of stuff. But I just want to real quick say this offseason for the Green Bay Packers was fantastic. As much as everyone wanted them to go get, you know, someone like Richard Sherman or Malcolm Butler to stack their defense, they got to sell a guy in Muhammad Wilkerson who's going to help that pass rush. He, him, Kenny Clark, and Mike Daniels would be a great three-man line. And then we went out, we got Jimmy Graham. And, yes, we cut we cut Nelson. I'll get into that at some point. We cut Jordy Nelson, and we got Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham is going to be such a fantastic add into this offense our offense will be one of this offense will be one of the best offenses we've seen in green bay because not only will jimmy graham be fantastic for aaron Rodgers, because aaron Rodgers, ever since jermichael finley's been hurt he has not had a solid tight end that stayed healthy and now now he has jimmy graham Devontae adams is becoming a monster wide receiver so he's gonna he's obviously gonna stay he's gonna stay consistent he i saw him tweeting he said, "He said, oh, it looks like only two receivers have ever had 20 touchdowns in a season with the little, like, thinking emoji. So that dude, is he wants to go get 20 touchdowns. He's motivated, he's hungry, and I love it. Him and Randall Cobb and uh, Jimmy Graham will be fantastic. We have three talented young running backs who are all hungry to be in the NFL. They're all going to be put, pouring their heart into this game. This offense is going to be amazing this year so if we and now with this with our draft the nfl draft this year for the packers was so good we got two of the top three corners 
I'm not talking D-backs in general because there was a couple safeties who were better than these. But the, the top three corners, we got two of them. We didn't, we didn't get Denzel Ward. He was the top. But then we got Jari Alexander, who was the third best. We got him in the first round. And then Josh Jackson, the second best corner in the draft, drops to us in the second round. So we got two of the top corners who I think one of them is going to do good. I think both of them will do good eventually, but one of them will step up this year, along with Kevin King, who we drafted last year. Our defense, its I'm not saying it's going to be Seattle. I'm not saying it's going to be Houston. But our defense is going to be a lot better than it has been in the past. They're going to be able to stop teams enough to where Aaron Rodgers can put up more points than they can with his eyes closed because he's just that good. <laughs> he could put up 30 points with his eyes closed. But I, this new general manager general manager, has done such a good job in this offseason alone that Packer fans, need we need to be optimistic because this, this team is going to be good. It has a lot of potential, a lot of young potential, but if with the right coaching and with our new defensive coordinator, who I think is going to be fantastic. This dude has such high praise. Mike Patton, he was a head coach for the Browns, which obviously if you take that job, you're just not going to (laughs) succeed. But now he's a defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. So if he's able to, you know, take this defense and make them good enough to keep teams to 20 or less, Aaron's going to put up 20 or more most weeks. I would say 15 out of the 16 weeks, he's going to put up at least 20 points. So that I'll go, I'll go into it more. I'll have probably a whole show about it at some point. But this Green Bay Packers team is going to be good this year. We're going to make the playoffs. We're going to win the North. It's, it's going to be a good year for Green Bay. I really think so. Aaron Rodgers is going to be healthy. There's just a there's a lot going into it, and this offseason was such a good offseason for Green Bay, and we're not used to seeing that as fans. And I think that's why people were skeptical. We saw Jordy Nelson get cut. Well, we we've been asking for major moves. We've been asking for these kind of things, and then people get all hurt because we cut one of their favorite receivers, who's slowing down, and is getting paid a lot. I I don't see he hasn't been his same self since his ACL injury. I, that's just a whole nother thing. So before I end the show, I have this little thing I like to call one last thing. So the one last thing for today, CM Punk, former WWE champion needs to quit UFC forever. This dude needs to leave. He needs to stop trying. He tried. He had two fights. That's fine. I'm, I'm very, I applaud him. I, I applaud him for trying. I really do. And he put on a great effort in this last match, he, you know, he, he was very resilient, but he's just not good. And that I don't watch UFC and I could tell he wasn't good. It was bad. Dana White has, you know, he's, he said basically punk, punk needs to be done. Like he, he tried and he, and even white, even Dana White said he commends him for trying, but it, you're done. Like you, you're bad. <laughs> he, you had you've had four years now to train since you announced that you were going to be there, and you haven't. It doesn't look like you've gotten any better. Yes, you can take a punch, but you can't give a punch, and that's not going to win you any fights. So CM Punk, you you got to quit. UFC UFC is not your thing. I'm sorry. Go find something else to do. Go write some comic books or something. So everyone, thank you for listening. My show is live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, from noon to one, and I'm trying. Hopefully. I think it's recording in the backup studio right now, and I will. I'm going to upload them later today. Every every day, I'll I'll upload them later in the afternoon uh, via podcast on SoundCloud. So look for that. I'll tweet out a link at Olson2k18 on Twitter. Um, yeah, I'll see you Wednesday.
really hope you play this Cause old girl, you test my patience with